0: Alright we'll say good morning. So today's daf is in fact no involved after all. So we're gonna start from the Mishnah Nun He Amud Days. Says the Mishnah, Shisha Dvarim Osu Anche Yricho. the people of Yericho did six different things. For three of them, the rabbis protested. The And for another three, the rabbis did not protest. We'll see exactly what this means in terms of rabbinic protest or not. The So first the Mishnah goes through the list of the three that the rabbis did not object to. Number one, Markivin Dikalin Kolayom. They would go ahead and they would graft palm trees the entire day. Now the day that they're speaking about over here is ere Pesach. So they would graft palm trees the entire day. The Karchin es Shema literally means they would wrap up Shema. We'll discuss exactly what that means as well. The the gochin lifnea omer. And they would harvest and stack their barley even before the offering of the omer. And I will say just one word about this, which is quite interesting. We actually saw this referenced earlier in Pesachim, as well as in Erevin, a little bit, which is that carbon omer, of course, comes from barley. Carbon omer can't come from anywhere. One of, the, one of the exclusions for carbon omer where you can't bring carbon omer from is from valleys. Yericho is in a valley. So ultimately Yericho, well, you couldn't you could never bring carbon omer from Yericho. So because of that, they began to harvest and stack their barley even before the actual carbon omer was brought. The Elu so those are the things that the people of Yericho did which were a little bit questionable, but <laughs> the rabbis chose not to, even rabbis choose their battles, the rabbis chose not to object to those particular practices. The she'michu b'yadam, and these are the things to which the rabbis did object to. Matirin gamazios shel hekdish, the people of Yericho would use branches of trees that were consecrated by their ancestors. So they were trees that were made hekdish, and the people of Yericho would cut down the branches and use the branches. We'll discuss what their logic was. Tap of Nunvav, Va'ochlim mitachas hanesharim b'shabis, and they would go ahead. Literally, they would eat from the dates that fell off on Shabbos. If you look at Rashi, just quickly, Rashi says, Va'ochlim mitachas <coughs> hanesharim, tachas hadekel hanashir ha They would eat underneath the palm tree that would, literally, mashir perosav, that would cast off its fruit, so they would eat from the date that fell on Shabbos. Okay. And they would go and they would leave Pe'ah. Actually, this week, right, they would go ahead and Pe'ah is the corner of the field that you have to leave for the poor. So normally the halokha is that you do not have to leave Pe'ah from vegetables. You only leave Pe'ah really from, well, we'll see what you leave Pe'ah from, but not from vegetables and the people, of, the people of Yericho would go ahead and leave peah from vegetables. And they will say, although that sounds like you say to yourself, well, what's wrong with that? It sounds like a good thing. Remember, peah is tax-exempt. What, what do I mean by that? You don't have to tithe paya. So if you leave peah from something that, technically speaking, is not really peah-certified produce, then l'maysa, what you are really doing is what? You are causing the koharim and the Levian to miss out on part of their share. So the people of Yericho went ahead and, ta- and left pay off from, left pay off from uh, vegetables, and all of these things, michu chachamim. So for these last three practices, for these last three practices, um, the Rab- the, not only were they questionable, but the rabbis did in fact object. Obviously we'll go through each of these in the Mishnah, in the Gemara. Tan Rabbanam. She should farm aschiski amelech. Ashlo shahodulo, We'll say once the Gemara brings up this discussion of practices, some of which, some of which were, some of which, thank you, some of which were, qu- or some of which were objected to by the rabbis, some of which were not. So the Gemara tells us about another one. Chiski o did six different things. Three of which the rabbis agreed with him. Three of which the rabbis did not agree with him. Number one, givar atmos adiv almito shel He dragged his father's body on a bed of ropes. Chizkiyahu HaMelech's father was Achaz. Achaz HaMelech was a terrible Russia who introduced Avodah Zorah into every corner of the Jewish people. So Chizkiyahu HaMelech, when his father died, was in a little bit of a bind. Because on one hand, he has covered for his father. On the other hand, he has to show, he has to repudiate. He has to repudiate what his father stood for. And he had to indicate to the people in a very stark fashion that his monarchy was going to be dramatically different than his father's. So what did he do? He dishonored his father's corpse, which although as a son to a father he would have no right to do, but he felt as a king, making a statement to the nation that this type of behavior that my father represented will no longer be stood for. No longer be stood for. Yeah, that's it. yeah, okay. No, it was different. He felt he had to ultimately do. So he dragged his father's body in the bite of Ra. Behold, the And they agreed with him. The rabbis agreed with him. They ground up the copper serpent. Now remember, the copper serpent is the serpent that Moshe Rabbeinu made. That Moshe Rabbeinu made. During the outbreak of the poisonous snakes in the desert, so Chizkiyahu Melech got rid of it. Why? Because people started looking to it as a deity. Vahodulo, Gana's They had this book of Rifuos, this book of remedies, and he destroyed that as well. Look at Rashi. Why did he destroy that? Gana's Sefer Rifuos. See, apparently the Sefer Rifuos was very powerful. So people stopped really having to daven for ill people, for sick people, and therefore Melech got rid of the Sefer Vahodulo And the Rabbis agreed with him. So these three things he did, and the Rabbis agreed. And also, obviously, these are very dramatic things. There are three things that Chizkiyahu did that they did not agree with him. Number one, Ki states Daltos tov's Nabosai, Melech Ashur, the king of Assyria had threatened Chizkiyoh HaMelech to go ahead and send his armies into Herod. So Chizkiyoh HaMelech did not have the ability to meet him militarily, so instead decided to bribe him. So what did he do? He stripped the gold off the doors of the Beis HaMekdosh and sent it to the king of Assyria. The rabbis were very upset by this because they felt it's actually interesting. Rashi points out, Interestingly enough, they felt he should have put more faith in God. Should have put more faith in God. It's interesting. He puts more faith in human hishtaglos They felt he should have put more faith in God. The truth is, the Mershal also comments, he says, they felt if you need to bribe the king of Assyria, which is legitimate, find something else to bribe him with. Don't strip the gold from the base HaMikdash. Sasam me'gichon Furthermore, he stopped up the Gihon. I will say, you know, Yerushalayim does not have many water sources. The major water source that Yerushalayim has is what's called the Shiloach. It's an underground spring that ultimately feeds another body of water outside called the Gihon. It's all the one thing, Gihon, Shiloach. So Chizkev HaMalach, when the king of Assyria was amassing troops, stopped up the Gihon. Stopped up the Gihon Elyon. So the rabbis did not like this because it adversely affected the residents of Yerushalayim as well. Furthermore, Iber Nisan Ben Nisan, below Hodulom, what he also did, something very interesting, is he went ahead and he made a leap year in Nisan. Now I will say again, normally in order to make a leap year, you have to, do, we, have, we have a leap year this year, in order to make a leap year, you have to make a leap year in Adar. You can't make, you can't make a leap year once you're already in Nisan. Now the reason why Chizkiah Hamalach did this, interestingly enough, is because he felt the people were so, so, so fatumud from Avod Zorah, that there would not be enough time for everybody to become taller in time for Pesach. So he made this last minute call but the rabbis felt still, although it was motivated by, by a good purpose, at the end of the day, it was not what should have been done because intercalation of the year can only be done in Adar. So again, this has nothing to do with our sugya. This just has to do with the fact that since the Mishnah spoke about the things that the people of Yericho did, some of the rabbis agreed with, some of the rabbis did not agree with. So the Gemara quotes the six things that Chizkiyot did. Three that the Rabbis agreed with, three that the Rabbis did not. Vaiter. Mark even So they would go ahead and one of the things that the people of Yericho did on Arab Pesach is they would graft palm trees the entire day. So what exactly does it mean that they grafted palm trees? de So what would they do? They would take a fresh myrtle, literally a moist myrtle, v'shichra de-daphna, shichra de-daphna is uh, literally juice of uh, laurel berries, laurel berry juice, okay? And what happens? And they would take barley that was not sitting in a receptacle for 40 days, um, They'd boil this all together, v'shadu and they would inject it into the heart of the palm tree. v'chol de so therefore what the, what the Mishnah calls grafting, was more like a little bit of good old, you know, Mishnaic miracle rogue. You know, so they would take all of this stuff and they would inject it right into the palm tree. The Khold arba Amos day Ilo Havdi Le Haki and furthermore, once again, this palm tree, once this palm tree got this infusion of miracle uh, grow. so what would happen? You'd have to also do that for any trees within a four Amma area in order that they should not adversely be affected. Or otherwise, they would also shrivel up. Amar Manchi, Dikra, has a much simpler approach, he says no, it's nothing to do with miracle growth. he says grafting is literally grafting, what it literally means they would take a male branch and insert it into a female branch, so we'll it's a male branch and a female branch, this is rhetorical right? so, so, so interestingly enough again, there's no difference obviously what it was talking about here is that the younger branch was called the female branch and the male branch was called the older one, so they would go ahead and they because it was easier to open up the, the, the newer branch, so they would insert one branch into the other. Okay, so machlokis about what the nature of grafting in Yericho was. The Karachan asked Shema, and they would go in and they'd wrap up Shema. What does that mean? Herechiavdi. What would they do? See, interestingly enough, what they would do is they would say the pasik of Shema Yisrael, Hashem and they would not stop. Now they would not stop where? They would not stop between Achad and the so they would read it as one long sentence. Shmaya z'rushan gimmel hashem echad Rava Amar Rava excuse me Rava Amar mafsikin hayu. They would, no they would go in and they would stop between echad and the yahavta. Ela shahayu omrim hayom aliv So it's interesting if I was the mistake. So remember the pasuk reads va'hayu hadvar mashanuchi Mitzavecha. hayom aliva avechad. Now, if you read it that way, then what the Torah is saying is that these words that I command you today should be on your heart. If you read it the wrong way, you can read it how? <speaking in Hebrew> should be today on your heart, which, which infers what? <speaking> in <Hebrew> today they should be on your heart, but tomorrow it's okay if they're not on your heart. So the people of Yericho read the Shema the wrong way. I'm sorry, go, but it's still a flawed statement for that day. Now again, I want to be clear. These are things that were not great, but if you notice again, this is the list to which the rabbis did not object to. So remember, all six of these practices are questionable in nature. It's just these first ones, the rabbis it's not it wasn't worth the fight. Tan Rabanon. Kate said how you So also now quotes. How do you wrap up Shema? Rabbi so well, Rabbi Meir quotes the first, like we saw the first opinion, that they wouldn't stop between echad and Hafta. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Mavsikin Elo eloshelo Hayu, Omin baruch shem kevod machusol Olam vaed." Oh, Rabbi Yehuda says, "Not tell you what it was. They would no, they would stop. They would stop between echad and Hafta. So what was the problem? They omitted the phrase baruch shem kevod machusol Olam vaed. Blessed is the name of your kingdom, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, for all eternity." So the Gemara has a very interesting question. Vaanan, So the Gemara pauses here. It's such a great Gemara. So the Gemara pauses. Oh, by the way, why do we say Baruch Shim Kevod Malchus Olvi After all, what is the Gemara really asking? Shmaz from where Rabbeinu say? from the Torah. Baruch Shem Kevod Malchus Olvi Olam does not appear anywhere in the Torah. So why do we say it? Listen to this beautiful Gemara. Kidder Shabbos Shimon Ben Lachish, Yaakov Avinu said, gathered his sons. This is in Parshas Gathered his sons by his bedside, and he said, Vayomer, He says to them, "Hey, So he says to them, "Gather around, and I will tell you." Now remember what Yaakov Avinu wanted to do at this moment was what? Bikesh Yaakov, <coughs> Le- Bikesh Yaakov, Legallus, Lebanov, Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal wanted to reveal the information about the Messianic arrival and redemption to his children. That's what he wanted to tell them. But at the moment that he wanted to reveal this information, the Shekhinah literally left. The Shekhinah left. So listen to what says in this. Yaakov Inu now is, is now his final moments. So remember, you understand the drama of this particular episode. So he's on his deathbed. He's about to leave. He wants to tell his children to last piece of information. He had it and then it's gone. So he wonders to himself, maybe is there, is there some type of soul? Is there some type of disqualification within my children? Maybe I'm like my father. Sheyatze mimei Yishmol. Hari Yishmol. Va'avi Or I'm like my father Yitzchak, who had an Esav. lo Bonav. So his children, his children sensed that he was worried about something to do with them. So what happens? Together as one, they accepted the unity of Aqadish Parakhu. They said, Father, just like there's only one God in your heart, So to in our heart, there's only one as well. Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Olam va'ed. In that very moment, Yaakov Avinu said, Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Olam So I interestingly enough, Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Olam va'ed, is the affirmation of Yaakov Avinu's affirmation to his son's allegiance of faith. So the, the children say, Shemal, and Yaakov Avinu is so happy that all of his children, as the Gemara calls him, Mitoso Shalema, his bed is complete. All of his children are going to perpetuate the monotheistic destiny or dynasty, say his response to that is Baruch Shem Kivod Mahu the Olam So let's say, now listen to the problem. Now the rabbis have a problem. What's the problem? What should we do with Yaakov Avinu's Baruch Shem Kevold Mahusol Olam On one hand, again, it's such a beautiful combination between Shemah and Baruch Shem, what should we do with it? Namruhu. if we go ahead and we put it in Shemar, Lo Amru Moshe Lo Amru, excuse me, in Hechinavit, Namruhu, Lo Amru Moshe So if we insert it in Shema, here's the problem. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it. What is it mean? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it? It's not part of the Torah. It's not part of the Torah. So to start inserting stuff, there will also be plenty of parts of davening that are not part of the Torah. But the problem, of course, is that Shema is, Shema, all the three paragraphs, although they don't all appear together, Shema is in the Torah. To insert something non-Torah in the middle there is strange. Lonamru, to not say it at all, Amru Yaakov, to not say it at all, how could we do that? Yaakov said it, so what should we do? Hiskinu shehu omrim also So we'll say what? What did we institute? <laughs> Rabbis instituted that we should say it quietly. This way again, it's not necessarily a formal level of, of, of heart as right? Which is Isa. but at the same time Yaakov Avinu said it, and therefore the Maisa. How could we not say it? Therefore the compromise is we say it quietly. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, listen to this, much Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Amar De Amri Rabbi Ami. So, listen, listen to this mushel. It can be compared to, to a queen, or the, literally the daughter of a king, who smelled tzike kedera. Tzike kedera also means like a stew. But it, it, what the Yomah is really referring to over here is um, not, not really nobleman's food. Not really nobleman's food. So, he, I don't know what a good example of this is. But she smells food that smells so good. But it's commoner's food. It's commoner's food. So, what happens? Im Tomar Yesh. Im Tomar, Im So I'll we'll say, if she asks for it, if she, if she says, you know, I want the shwarma, you know, even though, I, so if she says, if she asks for it, it's a gnai, It's not respectable because at the end of the day, she's a queen. This is not uh, this is not of the uh, of the palate of the monarchical palate. If she doesn't have it, however, she's always going to have the cravings. So what does she do? His So what happens? Her servants sense. That she liked this commoner suit, so they would bring it in for her quietly. So I say the idea that Gemara is giving over here is that obviously Moshe Rabbeinu gives us a very beautiful Shema to go ahead, and that's and that's what I call the to go ahead and insert man's own statement. Yaakov Binu's statement is a formal part of Shema. That's a little bit difficult. It's a little bit difficult. So what do we do instead? We just insert it quietly. So I we'll say, interestingly enough. Well, let's just finish off. I'm Rabbi his skinoshi omrim also b'kolram b'bnay tar omes This is actually interesting. Rabbi Avoh writes that apparently at some point in history, we used to say baroshim kevav machuso out loud. Why tar Because of the heretics. Now, what does that mean? The heretics would say that oh, you see, the Jews are saying something inappropriate after they say shema. They go out and they say shema so and I don't know. They accept the the oneness of God, and then maybe they're saying some kind of the mumbled retraction. So Rabbi Avoh says at some point in certain places, at different points in time. They would actually say Baruch shame out loud in order to indicate nothing inappropriate was being stated. And in Arda, apparently there are no heretics. So in Aharda, where they didn't have this problem, to this very day they still say it quietly. So obviously this became the practice that endured throughout time to go ahead and recite Baruch Shem K'vom HaKhosholi Va'ed quietly. There's of course another Midrashic idea associated with this as well which is that Baruch Shem is the Tefillah of the Malochin, is the Tefillah of the Angels and therefore normally it's not appropriate for man to utilize the Tefillah of the Angels that's why of course the one time here that we do say Baruch Shem out loud is Yom Kippur and we are more angelic than man but the Gemara, for whatever reason the Gemara doesn't go with that idea and therefore ultimately our practice of Baruch Shem quietly is in order to make everyone happy in order not to disrupt We'll call it the biblical continuity of Shema, which all emanates from the Torah. We recite Baruch Shem quietly, but in order not to totally dispense it because Yaakovinu it we still inserted there albeit quietly. The rabbis did, excuse me, the six things that the people of Yericho did. Three that the rabbis approved of, or the rabbis were okay with. And think that the Rabbis were not okay with it. And I will say again, I, I want to I be clear, this is a little bit different than the wording of our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah also speaks on six things, but in our Mishnah, in our Mishnah the Lashon is Michu. Michu b'yadam, lo Michu They have three things they objected to, three things they did not object to. Just, just, just different versions. The Elu Chachamim, and these are the things, these are the things that were with, that were with the general will of the Rabbis. And I will say, the other, the other distinction over here is, just because, when something is cham means the rabbis approve of it. When it's shelomich, when they did not object, it could mean they disapprove of it, but they chose not to object to it publicly. Okay, so we'll see the difference. The elu these are the things that the rabbis were okay with. Markiv and kalayom, they would graft palm trees the entire day of Pesach. The karachin es, shema, and they would wrap up shema, whichever interpretation you want to take of that from above. The kotzer nifnea omer, and they would harvest their barley even before the carbon omer as well, because as we said before, you can't bring omer from yericho, you can't bring the barley from yericho. Veelu shalov britzon chachamim, and these are the things that the rabbis didn't were not happy with. Gudshin lifnei omer, they would stack the barley before the grieving of the carbon. So I'll say, interestingly enough, the rabbis apparently were okay with harvesting the barley, but were not okay with stacking the barley. Why? Because apparently, once you're stacking the barley, there's a fear of consumption. One thing is clear, which is you really can't eat the barley before the carbon omer is brought, even if it's only medirah in this case. And they would make breaches in the fences of their gardens and of their orchards, in order to allow the poor to eat the fallen produce during years of famine on Shabbos and Yom Tov, again, they weren't making the breaches in the fences on Shabbos and Yom Tov; those were made before. But the idea is they wanted the poor to have access to these areas on Shabbos and Yom Tov so they could eat any fruit that fell. And they would also allow the use of branches from trees that were consecrated by, literally, it's carob and sycamore trees that were consecrated by earlier generations. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. On um, Rabbi Huda, in beratzon chachamim hayu Oh, excuse me. in beratzon chachamim hayu osin You call Adam osakein so Rabbi Huda says, I don't understand. Rabbi Meir, according to what you're saying is, the rabbis were actually okay. Beretzal means the rabbis signed off on all the first three of these things. If that's the case, if the rabbis were okay with this, then it should be motive for everybody. Rabbi said, we know that's not true. We know that again, the Mishnah beforehand said that if the minog is not to go in and do work on our Pesach, you don't do work on Pesach, even with grafting trees. We also know al HaShma, the rabbis are going to sign off, are going to say you can be Karchen HaShma. So Rabbi Huda has, Rabbi Huda has a problem with Rabbi Meir's verbiage. No, so I'll go back to what we said before. All six of these things, the rabbis did not approve of. They weren't happy with. I'm sorry. So what's the distinction? For three of them, the rabbis objected to. And three of them, the rabbis did not object to. What were the things that the rabbis chose not to object to? de Kalayo. So the people of the people of Yericho would graft palm trees the entire day, erev Pesach, and the rabbis chose not to object to that. They karchin as shema they wrapped up shema again. I say which whatever that means whether they didn't stop between Echad and Via Hafta, or they, they put the wrong they put the wrong emphasis on hayom alev or they didn't say baruch shem kevav Either way, it's not good. But the rabbis chose not to object to it. The kotsrin the gochin lifnei haomer. And they would go ahead and harvest harvest the barley and stack it before the carbon omer. So these three things, say, the rabbis were not happy with. They really, they're, they're. I don't want to say they're wrong, but they're problematic. But the rabbis, for whatever reason, chose not to object to it. The elu and these are things that the rabbis did object to. Matirin to go ahead and permit the branches of sycamore or carob trees that were that were consecrated. Upartsin pirtos beganosein upardosein. And they objected to the practice of making of making of breaking down parts of the fences by the gardens and the orchards to allow the poorest to enter in on Shabbos and Yom Tov during years of famine to eat the fallen fruit. We'll say again, the problem is going to be the consumption of fallen fruit on Shabbos, which we'll discuss on other Days. Furthermore, they also went ahead and what. They also gave payah. They also went ahead and left over a corner of the field for vegetables. And to this the rabbis objected to as well. But does Rabbi Huda hold that the cutting down of the, remember we said before, that the cutting down of the barley in Yericho was against the wishes of the Chachamin, but we learned, but we Omer. But yet we learned before that the people of Yerichah would go ahead and cut down the barley before the carbon omer was offered. And the rabbis, the rabbis weren't happy with it. They would stack the barley before the omer. The rabbis weren't happy with it. But nevertheless, the rabbis did not object. So the Gemara says, Who is the opinion who holds? Rabbi Yehuda... The katoni birzon and yet it says that they would harvest it with with the uh, uh, with the wishes or with the uh, according to the will of the chachamin or the Ta'ameh, hani arba hava. The Gemara says, you're right, at the end of the day also, the list would have been four and not three, so take Ketsira out. So it turns out that harvesting, harvesting the barley in Yericho before the actual offering of the Omer was something that although the rabbis might not have been thrilled with, but they did not object to either. Okay, weiter. Umatirin gamzios shel hektish, shel so I remember the next thing that they did is actually very interesting. So what happened? You had a tree. They give the example of the sycamore, carob trees. So what ends up happening is you have to prune trees, right? In order for new branches to grow, you have to cut back the old branches. So the shaila is now, what do you do with the old branches? So in yericho, what they would do is they would take these old branches and they would use it for their own personal use, right? So the so according to according to both the list in the brisa according to the list in the b'risa as well as in the Mishnah, this was something that the rabbis objected to. This is the practice the rabbis objected to. So the Gemara says the following. The Gemara says, Amru, so what what was the logic of the practice of the people of Yerichal? I'll say again, anytime, the the, the Mishnah and the Gemara operate under, under a basic assumption, which is that anytime you find a whole community doing something, Chances are there is some legitimate basis for it. Now, at the end of the day, it might not be correct, fully correct, and you might have to change it. But at the end of the day, if this is what everybody's doing, you have to at least find out what's the source for this. So, what did the people of Rikov say? Amru, Ava Va Anu Natir, Gumzios, Hegdish, So the people of Rikhov said something very important. They said, the truth is, when our forefathers consecrated these trees, they only consecrated the trunk of the tree. They did not consecrate the branches. And therefore, because of that, every single time the branches come off, we have the right to go ahead and use the branches. Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, oh, No, no Rashi yet. I'm sorry. No Rashi yet. <laughs> so what happens? <laughs> and so the fundamental of my is, what happens if you're Maktish something, and then something grows from the object which you consecrated? What is the status of those new things that have grown post consecration? <laughs> so the people of Yericho held like the opinion that said what? That there is no meila. Meila means means. means um, Mundane or inappropriate usage of consecrated property, there is no me'ila with objects that grow from a consecrated item. But Savri, nihid de me'ila leka isura miha ikus. Was it very interesting? So interesting. So Rabbanan apparently did not disagree in principle. Apparently, everybody agrees that Lamaisa, when you consecrate something, so something that grows from that object afterwards is not subject to the me'ila. We'll see that it's a further machlokis as we go on. Um, it's not subject to the laws of mi'ilah, but the Rabbonin still felt that even if it's not subject to the laws of mi'ilah, you should still treat it with an iser status. Essentially, what the rabbis are concerned about is what? Is that if we allow you to use the branches, what, what would seem to be the, the inevitable outcome of all of this? You're going to use the tree itself, ultimately, as well, because over time, people will lose the distinction between the branches and the trunk. So therefore, the people of Yericho are living according to the letter of the law. They're correct. There is no meilah with the branches. Our forefathers, and I will say, I just want to point out, somebody could consecrate an entire tree. You could say the tree is hektish. If the tree is hektish, then obviously, again, that would include the branches as well. At least it would include the present branches. What would come afterwards is a different discussion. But here, they only were matdish the trunk. So if the, the, the people of Yericho said there's no meilah with the branches, the rabbi said, you're right, but still we should be no'ik isser with the branches. Okay? Viter. Or parts in so parts What else would they do? They would go ahead and they would make they would make holes in the in the fences around. This is the, they're doing this to their own fields, not other people's fields. They would make holes in the fences around their gardens and around their orchards in order to allow the poor during years of famine to come in on Shabbos and Yom Tov to go ahead and take the fruit. So the Gemara says, Amr ulama Mar so, when is this when do we have this Machol, because in the Rabbis and the people of Yerichol, in Machavdos, in the Lord look at Rashi, Kapos T'marim heim, Berosh HaDekel, Ukefufos Zu Eitzhazu Ke'en Kli, Kisha T'marim Noshrim, Mekhablos Oson, V'chivan D'gavoha V'chirech lalos ala Dekel l'notlon chayshinu sheminyit lo shmina mechubbaros, Talvi Ab'noch, so I'm say, if you ever see a palm tree, if you'll notice, a palm tree, has, like, layers of br- its branches, that- there's, of course, the palm branches that come out on top, but the tree itself is also multiple layers. If you look towards the top of the tree, so the layers extend outwards, almost forming like a receptacle along along the top of the tree. So when is so, that- so what happens? So dates fall off the tree, and often dates collect towards the top of the tree, so they're already detached from the tree, <laughs> and they're, they're collected in that top-like receptacle. So the Gemara says, when is there machlokes in the rabbis and the people of Yericho for the dates that are collected on the top of the tree? What's the concern there? The concern there is the only way to get those top dates is how to climb, to climb the, tree. the tree. Once you're climbing the tree, we're already concerned that what you may come to detach certain other things from the tree itself, which could then be an actual abanocha biblical prohibition. However, however, machlokes on the chabdos. The Rabbis were concerned that if we allow you to get those upper dates, you're going to climb the tree, you're going, to come up to, you're going to end up detaching something from the tree. The people of Yericho were not concerned that you're going to come to go ahead and detach something from the tree. But apparently again, you could have these, you could have these parts of the tree that form like a receptacle type clean lower down where you wouldn't have to scale the tree so that you could easily access and there's no concern you may come to detach something. Av al like Divre Hakol, Divre Hakol muter. Everyone agrees that what? Everyone agrees that those you could take on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Or really Rav says, one second, there's a bigger problem. Vahamuktsaninhu. one second. If we're talking about fruit that fell on Shabbos, what does that mean? That means that the onset of Shabbos, what? At the onset of the, the Pashos, they were detached, they were attached, excuse me. And therefore, Lema'issa, therefore Lema'issa, they Moktza. I will say, back, back to our Shabbos days, they're Moktza. Look at Rashi. Baham Moktzos, they know, Shem E'ariv Shabbos, Ben Hashem O'Shoshos, Ho'yum Michu Baros, V'nim Tzom Moktzos, Machmas Isret Lisha, U Moktza Ben Hashem O'Shoshos, L'chol, Nabos Ha'avisin, we don't know necessarily when those dates fell off. What the Gemara is suggesting is it's quite possible that they were still attached to the tree at the onset of Shabbos. If that's the case, they're So for everybody's focusing on the issue of climbing the tree and detaching something from the tree, Rava says even if you don't have to climb anywhere, the dates themselves should still be Muktzah. So I, but maybe you'll say no, it's not mukta You know, I will say people used to keep pet ravens. So only the rich, interesting enough, it was a it was a status symbol. So how would you feed your raven? You would bring it to your palm tree, and you would let him go. You would let him go. So I said, what would he feed? What would the ravens often feed on? The ravens would often feed on these, on these dates that collected in the on the palm that were detached but collected on the palm tree. So maybe you'll say, aye, But it's not mukta, Why? Because since it's fit. For the ravens, therefore, again, it's good enough for us, also. So the gemara says, one second, hashda muchan la adam But one second, I will say, we see that something that is prepared for a person is not prepared for dogs. This not Rabbi Huda Omrim la ha'isen avela be'eref shab. This asura lefisheinam in amuha. And I will say again, if you had an animal. If you had an animal at the onset of Shabbos, and the animal was not an avail at the onset of Shabbos, so we'll say if it dies on Shabbos, you can't feed it to your dogs. Why? Because at the onset of Shabbos, lemaisa, it was considered to be fit for a person. Now, what does it mean that the onset of Shabbos is fit to be fit for a person? Because what a live animal is fit for for a person. I how is that fit on Shabbos? If somebody has Shom as a Chola. Right, you could check an animal for a whole on Shabbos. And since at the onset of Shabbos, the animal was set aside for human consumption, therefore, by definition, if it becomes an avela on Shabbos, you can't go ahead and feed it for your dogs. Because remember, that as we've seen already, in the second Shabbos, the status of a particular item, at least in certain respects, is locked in at the beginning of Shabbos. Then muhan la'arvim, havi muhan la'adam. Can you say that something that is designated for ravens is going to be designated for a person? He said yes. In because it doesn't work both ways. Something that is set aside for a person, by definition, is not set aside for dogs. Because anything that a person, that is usable by a human being a person does not relinquish his attachment to it. Right? So if I have an animal and, and it's perfectly good for me, I'm not going to say, oh, but I'll give it to my dog. That'd be a waste. have But if something is prepared already for the ravens, it's set aside, meaning it's usable for the ravens, then yes, that should be good enough for a person as well. As well. Why? Kol midi inish Because they're both the way it works is anything that is potentially usable by me, by definition, I have intention for it. So since these dates, again, not dafka that I have intention to get the dates but since the dates are going to be usable by the Ravens and once you're usable by the Ravens, they're also potentially usable for, by me as well. Therefore, Lameisah, they're not Moktza. So I say, all we've done over here is we've alleviated the Moktza concern. We have not alleviated the primary concern, which was the issue of going up and getting the dates. Ki Asa ravin Amar B'Shem so I'll say when Ravin came along, he said in the, name, uh, in the name of Reish Lakish that the focusing the people of Yericho, and the rabbis, was concerning the dates that collected Ben Akifin. Now remember, the kifin is the lower part of the tree. Because the rabbis felt that just because something is usable by the ravens doesn't, by definition, make it usable for man. But the people of Yericho said, Mukhal That's what. Once it's said, once it can be used by the ravens, therefore, by definition, what it can be used by a person also. I mean, those dates are just as good for people. I mean, what it's saying is like this: once it's muhal na arvin, that takes it out of muktzah status because now it's usable. And once it's good enough for the ravens, the truth is, it is good for human consumption as well. So therefore, that's the argument about. According to this version, the people of Yericho agreed that concerning the dates higher up on the tree, everyone agrees that what? Those are not accessible on Shabbos, those you can't go for on Shabbos, why? Out of a concern that you may come to scale the tree and actually detach something which would be a biblical prohibition. So both saying, the bottom line seems to the people of Yericho and the Rabbis was concerning dates that collect towards the bottom of the tree that are easily accessed without scaling the tree. What's the machlokas? The rabbis felt that just because they're good enough for the birds, people, don't, people didn't have in mind they're going to, to partake of it, therefore they're muktzah. And the people of Erechel felt, no, once a person has in mind that they're going to be good enough for his birds, once they're good enough for my birds, then what? They're good enough for me also, and therefore they're not muktzah. Okay? So we'll say, they, they, good, fine. So what happens? So one of the practices, now, now you understand, of course, we we'll the reason why the rabbis objected, you can also begin to see why where, where the rabbis objected and where they didn't. Remember, the rabbis didn't like all six of these things happening in Yericho, But they only objected to the things that they felt were halachically problematic. The other things that were problematic but it wasn't an iser, they weren't dealing with iser, and the rabbis let it go. But the things that deal mamish with iser, even if it's rabbinic iser, the rabbis were obligated to obviously voice their displeasure. Vinostin and What else did the people of Yericho do? They went ahead and they gave payoff from their vegetables. But the people of Yericho do not have the following principle. What's the principle? We'll say what do you have to leave Peah from? Fundamental Shailah. What is what is subject? What is subject to the laws of Peah? Leaving the corner. Koshu number one, it's gotta be food. That's number one. Number two, And we'll say Nishmar means what? Look at Rashi. Mufkar, Something that you are careful to protect. We'll say there are certain things that grow and you don't care about. Those things aren't subject to payah. Only if it's chashev enough that you would protect the produce, then it's subject to payah. Vigidulam in and it grows from the ground. U you harvest it at once. We'll see, as opposed to things that are harvested at intervals. Umachnisol makhniso and it's things that what? That are storable. Storable? Does that a... Yes. Storable, right? That that ultimately that you could store for long periods of time. Okay, so yeah. the Gemara says, excuse me, All of the if, if produce satisfy these criteria, then the Ma'aseh says So now the Gemara goes through each of these things to explain what it excludes. Koshu Ochel, what does it mean? Anything that's food. Prat satis, kotsa. This comes to exclude the aftergrowth. Satis, satis is safflower. And kotza is woad, W-O-A-D. So these are different things, these are different herbs that are, that are plants that are, that are consumable. You, you can eat them. But the aftergrowth, you know, so we had, you remember we had svichin, we had svichin about, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Right, that's the aftergrowth. Sometimes after you take the primary plant, more stuff grows afterwards. That's called svichin. So that comes to exclude the aftergrowth of sates and kotza vinishmar. What does it mean that the produce has to be something that you would guard? Pratla Hefkar. That would come to exclude something that is hefkar is not subject to payah. Vigidulla and it has to grow from the ground. Prat lakiminopitrios. This comes to exclude what? Mushrooms and truffles, right? Which obviously do not grow from the ground. Ulikitas and kaachos, and it has to be something that is harvested at once. Prat litain. So we've seen this a number of times also. Figs, figs, different figs mature, even if you can have figs on the same tree, so they just mature. Also it depends on where they are in terms of sunlight. Some of them mature faster, some of them mature slow. So, so you harvest it at different times. Umach nisa and something that you store away, prak liyerek, this comes to exclude vegetables, because we'll say apparently, again, vegetables, let's say as opposed to grains, you don't really store vegetables for long periods of time. Amarav yehud, Amarav, so Amarav, hacha birashe liftos saskinah. Oh, so what were they arguing about? It's actually interesting, a very specific case. They are arguing about turnip leaves. Turnip leaves, right? The turnip has leaves on top. <laughs> now say interestingly enough, we know turnips turnips ultimately were subject to payout. Why? Because turnips satisfied all the criteria, they were also preserved. How did you go ahead and how did you go ahead and preserve turnips? They would they would pickle it. They would pickle it. Right, they would put. They would put. I don't know. If it's they put it in vinegar. I guess that's called pickling it. Right. Okay. Close. Close. So what's the idea over here? I will say, interestingly enough, now the leaves. No one really cared about all that much. It's just nobody really took the time to take the leaves off the turnip. Mm-hmm. So the shayla was, what's the status of the leaves? Legabe peo?" So liftos askinu u'machniso machniso ayde aver davar acher kamiflegi. And the shayla is, what happens if you store something, but you're not storing it for its own sake? You're storing it why? only because it's attached to something else. Look at Rashi. Rashi is a Rashi Liftoz. ale halafes. is talking about the turnip leaves. Makhnisin Aide Haimos. You go ahead and you start through the mothers. The mothers are a reference to what? A reference to the turnips. Mbar So one opinion holds. This of the people of Yericho. That's when you store something, even though you're not storing it for its own sake but you're storing it because it's attached to something else, that's still called storage and therefore what? It would potentially be subject to the laws of Omar savar Paya. And the other opinion, i.e. the rabbis felt that no, since the leaves are not the real part of the plant and a person is only storing them because 1st person doesn't want to take the time to detach them, they're not subject to the laws of Paya. That was the makhlukes in the rabbis and the people of Yericho. Emirat will continue with that yes tomorrow.